Well, this morning, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 11. So if you want to turn your Bibles there, John chapter 11. But I brought a couple of things with me uh, just to help to demonstrate and uh, be an illustration this morning. We're going to talk about chairs. Chairs. Sometimes a chair chooses you. You ever uh, go over to somebody's house and you visit them and you just walk in and you're like, this is my chair. They say, this is my chair. And you're like, that fits you. Like that is exactly, if I could have thought of a chair for you, that would have been the chair that I would have thought that you would own. Uh, the, maybe it's a lazy boy recliner that uh, is all worn out. Maybe it's a sitting chair, but it's a chair that you like that chair has chosen you. You, you walked in the store and, and that chair was just screaming out, buy me, buy me, buy me. And that person bought that chair. Sometimes you choose a seat. You choose a chair. This morning, uh, there's nothing more evident than coming into church and seeing where everybody sits. And so many times in churches, especially, you go in or maybe a restaurant that you go to on a regular basis, uh, there are chairs that you have chosen that uh, you come in and you sit there every week. And sometimes we don't really, you know, we don't really think about the fact that that's my seat. But then when you come in on a Sunday and somebody is sitting in not your seat, you know how that is? You are really, th you're really thrown into a quandary of where do I sit now? Like there's nobody in the, in the seat in front of that or the seat behind it, but they're in your seat. And now you're like, well, I guess we're going to go to the other side of the auditorium now to find that seat on the other side to see if that seat is available. Sometimes we, uh, we, we walk into those situations and, and you don't realize that it's somebody's seat and you've sat down in, your, in that seat and then somebody comes up beside you and you can just feel them like staring at you and you're like, I must be in your seat. And you look at them, sir, would you, would you like me to move? No, 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 no. You sit there. That's fine. You just stay in that seat. And we get up and we move so they can have their seat back. This morning in John chapter 11, and I'm going to do a little groundwork here to prepare us for John chapter 11. We're going to look at Mary, the, the character Mary in this account. And we're going to see some seats that Mary sat in that I hope will apply to our lives this morning. Because so many times in life, we find ourselves either that we have chosen a seat or that life has chosen to give us a seat. And we don't have any choice in that seat. And so we find ourselves oftentimes sitting in a seat that either we chose or that we didn't choose. And we have to figure out how do, how do I deal with this now that life has given me the seat to sit in. In John chapter 11, this is a very familiar account for those of you who maybe grew up in church and, and know uh, John chapter 11. It is the account of where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus, at the beginning of this chapter, uh, Mary and Martha, Lazarus's brother, or Lazarus's sisters, sent news to Jesus and said, Jesus, come quickly. My brother is sick. They knew Jesus. They had seen Jesus do miracles. They had seen Jesus heal people. And so they knew that if they could just get Jesus, not even to come. Because if you remember that there were people that came to Jesus and Jesus, if you will just speak a word, I know that my child will be healed. And Jesus spoke a word and that child was healed. So they knew that Jesus didn't necessarily even have to come to them. They just knew that if they could get to Jesus, that Jesus would solve it. And we know from reading this passage that Jesus said, I'm not going yet. I'm going to wait. And he actually waited for two days. 
And if you go back and if you look at the account of the story, one day a servant was sent to Jesus and said, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Will you come? Jesus said, no, I'm going to wait two more days. So day one, servant was sent. Two days of waiting, that's three days. And then it was a day's journey from where Jesus was to where Mary and Martha were. So four days that Jesus waited between the time he got the news to the time he got there. And according to all of us, it was too late. There's nothing they could do. And so in this culture, the reason that I need to set this up is because I need you to understand why I have these two chairs here. In this culture, if you go back and you read people that account for uh, the Israeli or Jewish culture, there were many things that were done out of ritual and out of habit. One of the things that happened was that when somebody passed away, there was a time of mourning. Now, there were two different times of mourning, actually three different types of mourning. One was the mourning that was done until that person was buried. The second type of mourning was the type of mourning that was done for the first seven days. And then the third type was the next 20, uh, 23 days, there was another type of mourning that was done. We're going to look at that first seven days because Mary and Martha had now been mourning for four days when Jesus showed up. In that culture, in Jewish culture, one of the things that was, that's very unusual to us that is that we would look at and go, I don't understand why they're doing that is that they would, in their homes, again, this is, again, some of the scholars that looked at Jewish culture, in their homes, they would take all of the seating furniture, hopefully this stuff doesn't fall out of the chair, all of the seating furniture, and they would turn it upside down, and they would not be able to sit on it. They would then find a low stool, and this is one of those chairs that found me. I didn't choose this, this stool, this stool found me. It was in the house that we are living in. And, and uh, one day I was looking for something to weed the flower bed. And I looked around and I saw this stool and I thought, that stool is the one I'm going to use. Then I was working on my car and I was changing the brakes on my car. And I'm like, I need a low stool. That's the stool that I use. So me and this stool have become very well acquainted. But this is the type of thing that they would have in Jewish culture. They would turn all of their seating furniture upside down so they couldn't sit on it. And then they would sit on a very low stool so as to be uncomfortable. If you've ever sat on a low stool for any length of time, you realize this is, there's no comfortable way of sitting on this. But in Jewish culture, they would sit on this low stool for the purpose of the first seven days of being uncomfortable. They were in mourning. And so if they were allowed to be comfortable in mourning, it went against the Jewish culture. And so they had to find ways to cause themselves to be uncomfortable. So in our story, I want you to keep this picture in mind as we read in John chapter 11, starting in verse number 17. Keep this in mind. John 11, verse 17, it says, When Jesus came, so remember this is four days after Lazarus had passed away. Then when Jesus came, he found, Jesus found that he, Lazarus, had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, Jesus. But Mary sat still in the house. 
Martha. If you remember Mary and Martha, last time Jesus was with Mary and Martha, Martha was the one that was busy doing all the tasks, busy doing all the things to get ready for company. Mary was the one that sat at Jesus' feet. And Martha went and complained to Jesus and Jesus, I'm doing all this work by myself. Why don't you let Mary get up? Why don't you tell Mary to get up and help me? And Jesus said to Martha, Martha, you only have me for a little while. Mary has chosen the good thing. But in this case, Jesus, the one who loved them and who they loved, was coming to town. And Martha is the one who took off to go to Jesus. And Mary is the one who sat still in her house. As I was thinking about the emotion and the feelings that Mary had, and I was trying to figure out how to depict this to you, a story came to mind. And there's a young man, his name is Logan, and his dad, Tony, and there's a picture of them here that I wanted to show you. Logan is in the hospital gown. Tony is in the black shirt. Can you identify with the emotion that Tony is feeling right now? Can you feel that? Logan is 18 years of age. On July, uh, July 4th, no, the Sunday before that, Tony's a pastor down in Columbus, Ohio. And Logan, his son, was helping in the church service. And I don't know what he was doing, but he was working in the church service. And Logan passed out in church. Mom and dad very concerned about that. Not, not overly concerned. Logan has been a healthy young man and and strong and, and uh, played sports and just life really hadn't thrown any curves at him. Logan passes out. Mom and dad made an appointment at the doctors. Doctors ran some tests and said, I think we need to admit him to the hospital. I think we need to run some more tests. They began to run blood work and EKGs and CAT scans and all the things that they do. And they found that in Logan's chest, there was a mass that was larger than his heart that was pushing on his heart, that was pushing on his lungs so he couldn't get air, he couldn't, his heart wasn't working. His heart was beating at this time over 200 beats a minute. This was taken the first day that they had admitted Logan to the hospital. Tony said, this is more than I can handle. It's more than I can handle on my own. I can't, I can't do this. He said, I think that this is breaking me. But the astounding thing he said after that, he says, I think I needed to be broken. I think that this picture signifies what Mary was feeling here. As Mary was sitting and she was uncomfortable and she was hurting and she was, she was questioning, Jesus, why didn't you show up? We know that you love me. We know that you love Lazarus. Why would you not show up to heal him? And Mary chose to sit in the seat of distress 
rather than run to the Savior. Mary chose to sit still. Tony, the dad, he has been amazing over this last month as he has, as he has walked with his son through this situation. Not something that they would have chosen, but he said, I'm broken, but maybe I needed to be broken. This morning, I want to ask you, has life brought you a seat of distress? Maybe it's not a loved one that has passed away or a loved one that's in the hospital or, or a, maybe it's not a family situation. Maybe it's something else that you're sitting in a seat where you're saying, God, I've asked you to answer this and you haven't, I haven't heard from you. Jesus didn't send back word to Mary and Martha that said, I'll be there in a little bit. He didn't say anything. But he showed up four days late. Martha ran to him and Mary chose to sit in the seat of distress. You know, sometimes when we're sitting in the seat of distress, it's really easy to struggle to talk with God. Who was it that sat at Jesus' feet last time? It was Mary. Mary is the one who could not get enough of Jesus. And Martha was the one that was busy. But this time, Martha ran to Jesus. And if you read the account, she just goes and she just vomits all over Jesus, everything that she's thinking. And she's saying, Jesus, if you would have been here. And she has an amazing conversation with Jesus. And she says something that I want you to see, because as Mary is sitting here still choosing, I'm, not, I, I, I'm struggling to get to Jesus. I'm struggling to tell him anything that is going on in my life. I'm struggling to tell him what is happening to me. And I'm, I want to ask him so badly, why did you let this happen? Martha runs to Jesus and she asks him something. And as her and Jesus are talking, she goes to Jesus in verse number 20. And then when Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, I underlined even now in my Bible, because as Martha is sitting here, I mean, as Mary is sitting here, and she is struggling to deal with the situation at hand, Martha is, is with Jesus, and she's saying to Jesus, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. I don't know why this is happening. She said, but even now, I know that whatever you ask can happen. Even now. In life, whatever seat that you've been given, don't ever forget that even now, Jesus and God can do something for you in your life. Whatever the even now is that you're asking God, God, this situation seems hopeless and difficult. I don't know what to do with it, but I know that even now, you can do something to change the situation. The choice... To stay in this seat is up to you. 
Because I want you to see, as, Mary and, as Martha and Jesus have this conversation, and you should read verses, well, let, let's read them, verses uh, 22 down through uh, a couple more verses. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. He asked Martha this question, believest thou this? Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this? And look what she says. And she said unto him, yes, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. He said, do you believe it? Do you believe that even now I can do something? And she said, yes, God, I believe it. She finishes her conversation in verse 28. And when she had said so, she went away and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, the master is come and calleth for thee. Mary sitting in this seat. Martha ran off to talk to Jesus. Mary sitting in this seat saying, I think I just want to sit in the seat of distress. Martha comes back and says, Mary, Jesus is asking you, calling you to change seats. At this point, Mary has an important decision. Does she stay in the seat of distress or does she move to the feet of Jesus? Mary picks up her chair and she is no longer sitting in the seat of distress. She now moves her chair to the seat, to the presence of Jesus. My friend, this morning we have a choice. If life has given you the seat of distress, you have a choice. You can either stay in the seat of distress or you can move it to the feet of Jesus, the presence of Jesus. And when she gets to Jesus, she says the exact same thing her sister said. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When we move from the seat of distress to the seat of God's presence, we invite God to be part of our problem. And when God is part of our problem, the solution is close at hand. There's an evangelist, his name is Clayton King. He's, he, he has recently uh, taken many uh, missionary trips, and one of the missionary trips that he wanted to go to was to India, <coughs> near, near the Afghan border. Pretty dangerous, it's in the Himalayan mountains. And so he and a group of five people, they trained for this missionary journey that they were going to take. They had done research. They had the, the elevation where they were going was 11,000 feet. And so they, uh, they, they knew that they were going to have to adjust once they get there to just breathing uh, in that thin air. And so he and these, this group of five, they, they planned on taking 11,000 Bibles with them into this area of, of India to give away these Bibles. And they had a specific village that they were looking at. Um, and so they, they began praying over that village, praying over this, this valley that they were going to. Just before they went, a couple of months before, there was a group of European missionaries that tried to get into this area. And they were all murdered because they were found by, by Muslim fighters. 
they were found that they were carrying 11 Bibles. 11 Bibles. Clayton King and his group were taking 11,000 Bibles. They were begging God to watch over them, begging for his protection. They were distressed, but they were choosing to invite God into their situation, to invite his presence and his help and his solution into what they were going through. They flew to uh, the the area. They packed all the mules and, and got guides to go in. They rented a bus that was going to, once they got to the place where they could go to, they rented a bus that they were going to take in. And they, they got to the bus, and, and they had a local guide that was driving the bus for them. And as they were driving to this Zanskar village or valley, uh, they, were, they were going into, and Clayton King is... He is a very loud, um, he, he's, when he comes in the room, you know he's in the room kind of guy. As they were driving down this road in India, along the Afghan border, they saw a hitchhiker that was walking alongside the road, and, and they knew the dangers of just random people out in the middle of nowhere. Their bus driver slowed down and picked up this hitchhiker. Clayton King just, like, almost lost it. He's talking really loud and fast at the driver. What are you doing? Why? We don't know who this guy is. Why would you pick him up? And this guy turns around in English and goes, you are a very loud talking boy. <laughs> and they begin this conversation. And the, the hitchhiker that they picked up began to say to them, your driver recognized me. He said, I am King Nurubu. I am the king of this Zanskar Valley. I live in Zangara. Do you know what city, village that they were going to? Zangara. He said to these to the, the king said to the, this group of, of, of missionaries, he didn't know they were missionaries, he said, why are you coming? Uh, why are, what, what are your names? And Clayton King says, my name is Clayton King. The king of Zanskara says, why would an American king come to our city, village? He says, because I want to bring you our religious book and set up a medical clinic in your village. The king takes out a paper writes a letter of safe passage through this area. So if anybody stopped them, they had a letter from the king of the valley that said they are safe to go. And he made Clayton King the interim king of the village while he was gone. You don't think inviting God into your situation helps resolve things that you can't understand? It absolutely does. But it got even better because when they got to the village, they set up the, they began passing out Bibles and they set up this medical clinic. And one night, a lady uh, from the village came to them and said, do you know how to deliver children? Ask Clayton King. And he's an evangelist. He's like, I don't know anything. He said, but this lady does, the doctor that was with them. And so they took the doctor and, and they went into this lady that was, that was going into labor. And uh, the, the doctor 
checked out the babies and she said that one of the babies had actually passed away, that, was, that it had died in, in the womb. And Clayton, according to his account, he said, I don't know why I said this. And when I heard the words come out of my mouth, I was shocked. He said, God has sent us here so that these babies would be born alive. He said, if, this if these babies and this mother are not alive by nightfall, then you can do anything to us that you choose. And the doctor looked at him like, what are you saying? And he began to pray over this mother. The doctor, in order to deliver the baby that was stillborn, had to break the hips of the baby to deliver the baby. Delivered the one baby, it was stillborn. Clayton began to pray over this baby. The other baby was delivered alive. Clayton began to pray over this baby and pray over this baby and pray over this baby. And eventually, a cry came from this baby. And he says, God is in the business of miracles. Now, I'm not here to debate his account. I, I wasn't there. I trust what he says. But you see, when we invite God, when we move from the seat of distress to the seat of God's presence, we invite God into our situation to allow him to work and to begin to move within our life. And when we do, Jesus begins to ask questions. In verse 29, Mary runs to Jesus. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but it was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews which were with her, Mary, in the house and comforted her. When they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was she saw, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And when Jesus saw, therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, when we invite Jesus to come into our, when we invite Jesus to come into our problems, he says to Mary, where have you laid him? He begins to ask you, where is that thing that is hurting you so badly? And he wants us to take him, though he knows, he wants us to take him to that thing that is hurting us. And he wants us to show him what is hurting us. This morning, if you, are, if you have something in your life that you're dealing with, God wants you to come into his presence and he wants you to lay bare that thing that is hurting you. He says to Mary and Martha, he says to them, after, after this, where have you laid him? It says that he wept with them. And it's amazing to me as you read this, that Jesus, this weeping, sometimes you hear people say that this weeping was just an outburst of, of tears. Sometimes it's a soft. This, as, from what I understand in this weeping, this is that weeping that as you go through a difficulty with a somebody who is struggling and you just began to weep, not necessarily uncontrollably, but you just have the tears that are flowing because of the struggle of the person that you're dealing with. This is the weeping that Jesus he identified with the things that these people were going through. And Jesus identifies with what we are going through. God identifies with us in our situation and in our trial and in our difficulty. 
In verse 36, then he said, then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. And that's why I love so many times I wish that as we read a story in the Bible that we would read it, understand it, and then forget it. So that when we went back to it, we'd have to dig through it again to see truths that are there. And so many times, maybe this morning when I said we're going to be in John chapter 11, maybe you were like, uh, Lazarus, know that story. I know how that ends. But I wish we would approach it and go, Lazarus? Never heard it. What's, what's that story about? What is this account of God doing in the Bible? What's that about? Because then if that was the, truly the case, we would dig into Scripture and we would see and understand truths that maybe we've never seen or understood before. Because this groaning that he did in his spirit, this groaning was the beginning of, of the confrontation of all confrontations. I mean, I like a good, I like a good fight. Now, I don't mean people fighting. I mean like a good boxing match. When Mike Tyson was a boxer, I loved watching Mike Tyson fight. Because I, just was, I was just anticipating, and you could see the anxiousness. And when, when he would get ready to, to fight, you just, his demeanor would change. I mean, he was just ready to go. And he went in, and he, he said, by his account, he said that I was going in to destroy that person. The other person, sometimes you could tell that they were trying to be, trying to be exciting and trying to be ready for it, but they knew, I'm in trouble. I hope that I can go a couple rounds with this guy. This match that was coming up, Jesus groaned within his spirit, not like a, ugh. It was a groaning like, oh boy, you better watch out. You don't know what is coming. Because Jesus, at this moment, he was coming toe to toe with the thing that hadn't been defeated yet. And that was death. Jesus was coming toe to toe. He was ready to have that stone rolled away and death would be staring him in the face and he was going to stand there looking death squarely in the face and it was on. I mean, this was the showdown of all showdowns and Jesus said to death, you have no reign or power here anymore. And he said, Lazarus, come out. And it is a good thing that Jesus specified who he wanted to come out of that grave. Because this was not just a grave for Lazarus. They say that at this time these were tombs for families. Could you imagine what would have happened if he would have said, Hey, y'all, come on out of here. That would, have been a, that would have been a thing. It was a thing when Jesus said to one man, Lazarus, come out. Now, people that study scripture and they study the times that this was in, they, they argue about what this looked like. Some say that he was wrapped in, in, clo in, in cloths that went all around him, his hands and his feet restricted, his head was, was embalmed. And if you think about um, Jesus, when they buried him, they wrapped him in cloth. They had a, a thing around his head. So we kind of get the idea he was not free to just walk out. So how did Lazarus get out of there? Did he hop out? I don't know. 
Could you imagine standing there at the edge of that tomb, not looking in? It stinks in there, Jesus. And Jesus said, I don't care. I'm overcoming the stench of death. I'm overcoming what the devourer has taken from you. I'm giving you back your brother. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes, whether he came hopping out or whether he came floating out. I don't know how he got out there, but he came out. Because Mary and Martha decided to sit in the presence of their Savior. The third seat that they move to now, and Jesus asks us that once we go from sitting in the, in the seat of distress and moving to the seat of his presence, he asks us to then turn the seat of distress into a platform of praise. No longer does that have to be uncomfortable to sit on. No longer do we have to struggle with the, with the thing that is going in our, in our life. God tells us that if you will use that platform that I've given you, that thing that life has brought to you, that choice that you have made that's put you in that seat, whatever it is, if you will now use that seat as a platform of praise, you will not believe what I can do. Now look at this, because this is amazing that Jesus uses this in verse number 44, we'll catch up to where we were. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave cloths, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Verse 45, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Why does God allow us to go through problems and difficulties? Why does God bring situations into our life? Why does God allow the choices we make to cause us to sit in a seat so that he can work, so we can move to his presence and we can use this situation as a platform of praise for him? And what happens when we do that? Many were saved as a result of what had happened. You see, my friend today, I don't care what the situation, what the thing is that you're dealing with, what the problem is you're going through, what life is throwing at you. If you will decide to move to the presence of God and use the presence of God to bring the solution so that you use this as a platform for praise, glory to God will be given. But it is our choice. God does not force us. to get off of the stool of distress. He doesn't make us. He didn't say, hey, Martha, go tell your sister to get out here now. It's a choice. And this morning, are you using the things in your life as a platform to give praise to the Savior. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, I don't know where we are today. Lord, there may be some here that they have throughout their life used the situations and problems and difficulties that you've brought into their life to bring you praise. And they've been faithful to do that. But Lord, there may be some here that are struggling with something in their life. And they're trying to figure out, God, why you haven't showed up, why you haven't come through. 
And Lord, today they need to move to the their seat of distress to a seat of in your presence and fully give that situation and problem over to you so that you can step in and you can heal. You can bring life back to that which was dead. Father, I pray that this morning, wherever we are, that we will move towards a platform of praise for you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. This morning, maybe you're here this morning and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never put your faith and your trust in him. And this passage tells us that he came to set us free. In John chapter 12, it begins the week that Jesus is crucified. And Jesus is crucified for you and for me to pay our penalty so that we don't have to be separated from God for eternity. This morning I ask you, have you accepted the gift of salvation, the gift of Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? If you don't, it's so easy. It's not easy because of what we do. It's easy because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. He did all the work. He paid the penalty for my sin. He suffered for my sin so that I don't have to. So I don't have to spend eternity away from God. This morning, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you simply say, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done things that are wrong. And I know that I need a Savior. And this morning, I will accept Jesus Christ as that Savior, as that atonement for my sin. And you pray in your heart, and you say something along this line. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner. And I know that as a result of my sin, I deserve an eternity separated from you. But this morning, I accept that gift of eternal life that is only given through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross. And this morning, I receive that gift of eternal life. And I am putting my faith and my trust in Jesus. Is there anybody this morning that would you just simply raise your hand? Nobody's looking around and you'd say, Pastor Chris, that's, that's me. This morning, I've never done that before, but this morning I received Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And I put my faith and trust in him. Would you just simply put your hand up, slip it up and put it down. You don't, nobody's going to come to you. This morning, maybe there's somebody that needs to move from one chair to another. Maybe you're sitting in distress and you need to move to God's presence. Maybe you've been in God's presence and you need to use the situation and the problem that's going on in your life as a platform of praise. And this morning you'll say something this morning 
has spoken to my heart and I'm making a decision to follow what God is prompting me to do. This morning as we stand, everybody stand together with me, would you? If you just stay in an attitude of prayer and if you need to use the platform, it's here, or the, uh, the altar, it's, it's available if you need to pray, bring somebody with you. But would you just pray and maybe grab somebody beside you? Maybe you know somebody that's going through something and you'll grab them and you'll just say, can we pray together? Maybe there's somebody that you need to go to and you need to say, hey, will you help me to turn my platform, my, my problem into a platform of praise? Just turn your heart to, to the Savior this morning and allow him to do a work. Father, this morning we are grateful and thankful that we can come to a place that encourages us and strengthens us from your word. Lord, I pray that you will use this message this morning. Lord, help us to take this truth and apply it to our lives. And Lord, that we may see others that are going through problems and difficulties and situations in their life that maybe some that they chose and maybe some that life has just given to them. And we might be able to take them the perspective of God's word and help them to move into your presence and find healing and comfort so that they can then in turn take this problem, this difficulty, this situation and turn it into a platform of praise for you that others may see you, that they may see that this situation is for your glory. Lord, we praise you and thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for coming this morning. Pray for pastor as he is gone and uh, have a blessed week.